0: You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast, Just part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your Just team win. every day.
1: Just win. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. his face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash,
2: What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. Your boy Q here, very, very excited about today's episode. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter. If you do, at your boy Q254, you know I was already tweeting out information about today's episode on Monday evening because I was very, very excited. Uh, I told you that I was going to have an interview on Wednesday's show with Cody Work from uh, Locked On Broncos, but we actually had to push that back a little bit, so that probably won't drop till at least Thursday on this week's podcast but that'll be good but no worries don't you worry instead I ended up coming across an article on uh, Bleacher Report on NFL fan-sided uh, you know uh, fan spin zone NFL spin zone from my man Mo Moten who's very good he covers the, the Raiders like a glove he also covers the rest of the league but he, uh, he was on there he had a really good article about the 53 man roster before OTAs which by the way OTAs gets kicked off today so I thought it would be perfect hey if I can get him on talking about his article talking about his piece that you could definitely to go read, and I encourage you to do that. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can at Mo Moten. That's M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can't miss him. He's got his article and his piece right there. It is really, really good. Like I said, covers the Raiders like a glove. So, got him on. I was able to talk to him Monday night, and I'll tell you, the conversation went a lot longer than it probably was supposed to go. It went a lot longer than he expected it to go, but it was really, really good stuff. So, here in uh, segment number one and segment number two, you're going to hear from Mo Moten talking all things Raiders, and a little. Little bit piece of news that came out on Monday's show during Monday was the fact that Gerald McCoy was released from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after nine seasons with the team, and well, we all know Brenton Buckner, or maybe we don't know Brenton Buckner, who is now the defensive line coach for the Raiders. He used to actually coach him in Tampa Bay, and so kind of putting the tea leaves together, two and two together, and you know, I realized that defensive tackle is a is a luxury position right now for the Raiders because they are pretty deep at, at defensive tackle. But uh, as I was going to talk to Mo, this is when this. Really happened, and I thought, you know what? I know he he covers the whole league, so let me just start off the whole interview asking about Gerald McCoy. So we did. We got into defense. We got into offense. We got into everything. Just all things Raiders. Really, really good conversation. So uh, I'm excited about it. Not a whole lot of news and notes, like I mentioned. OTA start today, so you'll hear from coaches. You'll hear from players uh, later on this evening. So expect that on Wednesday's episode. But very, very excited about today's episode. So let's just jump right into it. Here is is segment number one. Oh wait hold on before we get into that segment number one hold on let me tell you because I want to make sure I get this in that if you don't know where to get the Locked On Raiders podcast or you just kind of stumble upon it every single day maybe you haven't subscribed to it yet you could do that you can get Locked On Raiders on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya that's Himalaya as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts Spotify and then when you get in your car if you want to get real fancy you could tell your smart device to play Locked On Raiders. I really uh, don't plug that enough I should tell you that more often because sometimes people don't know where you can get it so you can definitely go to the Himalaya app get it right now put it on your phone and you can have the podcast each and every day as long as you subscribe now with that being said let's go ahead and jump into part one of my interview with Mo Moten Joining me now on the phone lines to talk all things Raiders, including his latest piece on the projected 53-man depth chart for 2019 before OTAs is my man Mo Moten, and uh, you can find his piece on fan-sided NFL Spin Zone, and uh, also on Twitter, at Mo Moten, that's M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And before we get into this piece and the Raiders, I know that you're also prepping for uh, tonight's Warriors-Blazers game four, so let me ask you this, has this series gone the way you thought, or were you surprised that Portland hasn't had more fights?
0: I'm actually, I was actually expecting a one-sided series. I didn't even, to be completely honest with you, I didn't even think Portland would get past Denver, and it surprised me with that. So I felt like Denver would be a better matchup against the Warriors because uh, Joe Kick inside, I think he would give Colbert State some issues, even though they play with a small lineup. I really didn't think Portland's backcourt could compete with the Warriors. Damian Lillard didn't play well at the end of that semifinal series, so I wonder if he was injured, and lo and behold, he had separated ribs. So... That's going to be an issue, and they're probably going to
2: get swept tonight. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Again, I thought they'd get one. I thought they'd get game three in Portland, but uh, after that loss, I thought, okay, well, that's a done deal. The the Warriors are going to go ahead and and sweep this series, get them some rest, and maybe get KD back. Maybe they don't. Who knows? But let me ask you this: I know you cover the rest of the league as well. Gerald McCoy (laughs) is getting released from Tampa Bay. Uh, A lot of Raider fans have already hit me up on Twitter, and I'm sure they've hit you up as well. At Raiders, Mm -hmm. at Raiders, go make the signing. Go make the signing. Do you think that this would be a good signing for the Raiders, if they can
0: get him at a reasonable price, you you read my mind because that was the first thing I wanted to start your show off with was Joe McCoy. I think the Raiders should invest something in him to pick him up because, and I know a lot of people say, "Well, you got more Mohurst and you got PJ Hall in the middle already. Why do you need Joe McCoy?" And I'll tell you why: he's had six sacks every year since 2012, and he has experience playing under Brenton Buckner, who's the Raiders' defensive line coach right now. So I think not only would he be a great fit, but he can add something to that defensive line. Think about it. If you can have some fresh pass rushes on the interior on every down, I think the Raiders could benefit with uh, a higher sack number. Just keep in mind their defensive ends are very inexperienced or average. You got Cleveland, who hasn't played it down yet. Max Crosby hasn't played it down yet. Arden Key had a kind of an underwhelming first year, and I think he's going to be a situational pass rusher this year. Mayo has been very average or below average during his career. His first stint with the Raiders, I believe, had two. He had two sacks. So, I mean, if you can get some pressure on the inside, if you make up for the inexperienced or the average production on the outside, and again, if you can get some fresh guys in the middle on every down, I think that could be a problem for teams, especially because Mayock did say quarterbacks don't like pressure up the middle, up in their face, and I think the Raiders can exploit that in the next season if they get a guy like McCoy in there.
2: Now, let me ask you this. He was supposed to make $13 million at Tampa Bay. What would be something reasonable, in your opinion, for uh, for the, the Raiders to approach him with?
0: And I, I'm not good with these numbers and financials, <laughs> but I'll say, look, I'll say, look, Joe McCoy, we'll give you six million to prove yourself. And if you can do something with that, we'll give you a longer contract. But right now I would say, you know, just throw a little, not a low ball offer, but a decent offer item, a competitive offer that maybe he'll consider, especially with his defensive line coach in Oakland and say, hey, If you can do more with that, we'll give you a longer contract, even though he is, I believe, 31 years old.
2: Right, no doubt about that. And so since we started with Gerald McCoy on the defensive side of the ball, I was going to start offense, but hey, we started defense, so let's just go ahead and stick with the defense. And you mentioned Arden Key, you mentioned Max Crosby. Arden Key only had the one uh, sack in 2018. He missed a lot of sacks. Uh, Buckner, like you mentioned, he thought that that, uh, – not Gerald McCoy, but uh, Arden Key should have had like 13 sacks in 2018. He comes (laughs) away with one. What do you think the camp battle will be like between Arden Key and – and Max Crosby, a guy who a lot of Raider fans are excited about just because, one, the Mad Max name, and two, he looks yeah. like a guy that goes and plays with a lot of energy, would be one of those typical Gruden grinder type guys.
0: Yeah, I figured he would be a fan favorite from the minute they got him because he's, he's like you said, a typical Gruden grinder profile type guy. And if you see him on social media, he seems like a likable dude, and he seems like he wants to play hard and to produce. And I think, I've said this on, on plenty of other shows, I think he's going to wind up producing probably in the second half of the season more than the first because Mayock did say that he wants Crosby to bulk up and have some strength similar to Key. even know, he is bigger than Key, but a lot of people when he came out of Eastern Michigan said that they felt like he should have filled out his frame a little bit more, maybe get up to the 265, 260s range. I think if he does that during the summer, he has a better chance of contributing a lot earlier. But, again, Paul Gunther did say this, and I, and I mentioned this in my piece, I believe. Paul Gunther did say that Harden Key will play in the role that they expected him to play last year when they had Mack and they had Irving. So that means he's going to be a third-down pass rusher or a situational pass rusher, and I think that's what they'll stick with. He may start, but he's not going to play the 60%, 70% of the snaps. I think Crosby and Key will split that, and you'll see bits and pieces of Mayo, maybe a Josh run rundown. If they pick up another guy, maybe that veteran will chip in with some snaps. But that, that position is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Again, I think he starts off, but I think he's going to see maybe 50 to maybe 55 percent of the snaps on the defensive side of the ball. How much do you
2: think that the addition of Brenton Buckner as a defensive line coach, how much can he help the the whole defensive line as far as the Raiders go?
0: I think he's a big help. We don't don't focus enough on coaching hires and general manager hires. A lot of people say the biggest hire the Raiders made or the biggest acquisition the Raiders made was Mike Mayock, and I agree with that. And I would say this year, among the coaches, I'd say the biggest hire is probably Brenton Buckner because he helped that Tampa Bay uh, defensive line. I believe they were one of the bottom-barrel teams in sacks in 2017. Got him up to a respectable number. I believe they had 38 last year. So I think hiring him was a big help, That's th- and this is why I feel like Gerald McCoy would be a great fit on that line because, again, he's familiar with Buckner. And if he's not, I, I read a quote from uh, Justin Ellis, and Justin Ellis said, He's going to have guys in multiple positions, shuffling guys around, and, and they're all going to be able to get after the cornerback, and I believe that's going to be a big help. And you won't see a 13 sack number for the Raiders this year. You'll see more of, hopefully, at least out there, four in the 30s, because you, you do have some pass rushes on the inside. Jonathan Hankins was resigned. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, Mo Hurst, PJ Hall in there. It, it's going to be a different lineup this year, I think they get some sack numbers. Again, if they're slower than the 30s, I'm, I'm cool with that.
2: The number four overall pick in the draft this year was Cleveland Farrell. A lot of uh, Raider fans got all up in arms about it. I was even at the draft. I, I was a little surprised by it at four, but then I understood after listening to the reasoning why they did that. That was their guy, and they couldn't expect him to be there at number 24 overall. So now that all that dust has settled, what are your expectations from Farrell, and how do you see him to going in and, and fitting in this defense in his rookie year?
0: Really quick, though, Q. Did you were you thinking about leaving the draft after they drafted Cleveland Farrell at number four? <laughs> was that was that your initial reaction, or did you just kind of pause and take a deep breath and think about it first?
2: No, I, I looked and I said at four. I looked at my co host for my show and I said at four. You know, and I, I was kind of surprised, but I was having too much fun in Nashville. There was no way I was leaving that.
0: Absolutely, but getting into Cleveland Farrell, I, I was shocked too when they picked them because I I had Cleveland Farrell at four. before the Clemson championship game, I felt like he could be a a top eight pick, and then it kind of dropped as kind of reports came out. I believe he had a little injury uh, during the pre-draft process. so I dropped him a bit, but I think he's a solid pick for the Raiders. They got him at four, and and if they wanted him in the first place, I'm fine with that. But I think he's a guy that's going to have about six sacks. I don't see him as a guy getting 12, 13 sacks a year. I know Raiders fans probably don't want to hear that, but looking at his film, he's not that type of guy because he lacks kind of fluidity in his hips. So that kind of caps his production a little bit. Maybe he surprises me, but he's more of a strength guy. And this is why you're going to see him on the strong side. But I think in his first year, he's going to have about six or seven sacks. I predicted six in my article. And I think that's a reasonable expectation. I know Raiders fans want to hear ten and eleven, right? But you got to understand the transition from the co- from the college ranks to the NFL ranks is not an easy one. And he played on a stacked cleansing defensive line. He's not going to have uh, that high end talent on that defensive line at the Raiders. I know you got Mo Hurst and PJ Hall in the middle, but PJ Hall didn't really get to the quarterback last year. Didn't have a sack. It's more of a solid run defender. So I think Cleveland Farrell is going to have to show them more of the load to get the pass rush going. And I think six sacks is the reason why it's a reasonable expectation, Brad.
2: And, you know, I mean, again, obviously, like you mentioned, Raider fans want to hear all the sacks and the big numbers. But also, something that Mike Mayock talked about is that he was a leader of men when he was at Clemson. And all the studs that they had defensively, he was still the guy that they said, no, that's our leader. How much do you think that leadership will play a role in what he does in, in 2019?
0: I think it'll play a big role because they need a leader at that position. They don't really have that there um you look at mayo but he you know he was in arizona if he had stayed with the raiders throughout his whole tenure then maybe but you need a guy's going to come in there and kind of get this round of the troops and say hey, we can get this job done especially late in games if the raiders happen to have a lead the end the games you need a guy's going to come in and say we're going to get the job done, close the game sack the quarterback ended on the defensive side of the ball and i think cleveland is that guy because he comes from a winning program at clemson uh that teaches those guys not only how to play great football on the field, but be leaders off of it. I think that's going to be huge for the Raiders coming up this season, especially, at again, at that position with Cleveland Farrell being their top
2: pick. Talking all things Raiders right now, with my man Mo Moton from Bleacher Report and also NFL Spin Zone on FanSided. You can find him on Twitter at Mo. That's M O E M O T O N. And the linebackers. That's something I'm pretty fired up about. I was on the record many times saying that worst came to scenario, I'd have been okay with the Raiders taking Devin White, you know, at number four if they had to, if they couldn't find a trade back partner and their guy just wasn't there. He ends up going number five to Tampa Bay. So the Raiders didn't address the linebacker position until. After the draft, the undrafted free agent, Tevin Coney from Notre Dame. One, how surprised were you that he went undrafted? And two, can this guy, in your opinion, turn out to be a, a dog in this Paul Gunther defense?
0: Yeah, I got multiple thoughts in the linebacker position here. We'll start with what you said with Tevin Coney. And I and I was a bit surprised. I thought he would go late in the draft. But I wasn't too surprised only because the way the league is headed now, you got to be able to play in space. And Paul Gunther said this to Mark Lee in the offseason. If you're playing the AFC West and you're a linebacker, you've got to be able to cover in space. you got Travis Kelsey out there. The Denver Broncos just picked up, no, no offense. Uh, Hunter Henry in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. So you've got to be able to cover if you're a linebacker. And that's, that's Coney's weakness. I wouldn't say weakness, but that's not his strong suit. So he's kind of a two-down thumper, but he's really good on those first two downs, stopping the run and getting after quarterback. So a little bit surprised he didn't go on day three, but the race got him and drafted, which is a great value pickup. I think he's going to make the roster. I have him on my 53-man. I think he's going to be a reserve. Uh, again, as a two-down guy, we'll see if something can develop him in the past and get him to be able to at least drop back to zone areas and cover tight ends and maybe run it back out of the backfield. What I am also excited is that the Raiders actually double dip in free agency at the linebacker position with Marshall and Perfect. I don't know how many games Perfect is going to play because he kind of plays on the edge. Mm-hmm. But again, if he, if he's out, he gets injured, you still got Markel Lee there. You got Jason Cabinda there. You got back Tony, who we just talked about more, I think still makes the roster. So there's, there's some depth there and veteran leadership is important, but the depth there is going to be very important. If, if again, if Perfect cannot play the whole season, I know Marshall said he has got right. He uh, shot, gave a shout out to the Raiders training staff saying they, they helped him out. He's saying they helped him out, and his knee is doing pretty well. So, like that lineup with the Death and Veteran leadership. Also, to hear Whitehead's also there. So, I think Coney makes it. It's going to be a reserve. He's going to have some work to do in coverage. But I think in the first two downs, he'll be a definite and for in the front seven.
2: What are your thoughts on the two rookie defensive backs? Trayvon Mullen, who he never gave up a touchdown in college, and then Isaiah Johnson, obviously a bit more of a project, but has a size, has a speed, looks like he could be really good in the league and the way it is right now. Uh, what are you looking for from those two guys? Can they can they pair with a, a Garyon Conley on the other side and really make this secondary solid for the Raiders?
0: That's probably the second most intriguing battle at training camp for the Raiders behind the defensive end battle. It's going to be Trayvon Mullen and Darryl Worley. I know we had an earlier disagreement on Worley. I know you you had your opinion on Worley, and I had my opinion, and we <laughs> went back and forth a little bit on Twitter. Yeah. That's cool. It's, so cool. it's cool to have different opinions. We all welcome it. But Absolutely. I think those two, uh, Mullen and Worley, will have a battle this uh, this summer at, for that number two cornerback spot opposite Conley. I expect Worley to open the season because of his, his experience, and he's also started with the Panthers on the outside. So I expect him to start the season at the cornerback position. And I expect Mullen to take over at some point, maybe midway or toward the end. As far as Ed Johnson, I see him as a special teams guy. You mentioned that he uh, he was a wide receiver for two years at Houston. Then he went to cornerback. He made some plays. But if you look at his film, he has some trouble tackling. Sometimes he can't pick up the uh, double moves on these roots. So if he's uh, playing a guy like Amari Cooper or any of these crisp root runners, he's going to have some issues there. So he's got some development. Again, I think he's going to start off on special teams, but they're not going to put a guy that they picked in the fourth round of practice squad. Right. But I think he will have some, t- he will have some time to develop. Cause if you remember last year, they did pick up Nick Nelson. I think they want to see him develop a little more. And a lot of people have forgotten about him because he didn't play that much during the season. But he played inside and outside during the preseason last year. I think they want to see him take another step. Isaiah, to- Isaiah Johnson will be behind him. But the, obviously the big battle, Mullen and Worley, I think he had a good battle there, and one of them will Will win it and play well. If it's worldly, I think he will play well, but he's not the fastest with his foot speed, so I think they want to have a guy like Mullen, who's a press corner with some speed and coverage ability, just have to work on his footwork and he'll be fine.
2: And I mentioned Gary Conley on the other side, and you know, the second half of the season, he really stepped up and looked like a, a real deal player, you know, a, a shutdown guy on the, second, on the other side of the, the field. Uh, do you think he takes that next step? Do you think he can uh, turn into that guy that they drafted when they picked him at the first round, at the end of the first round?
0: Absolutely. As long as he doesn't have any shin issues, (laughs) I think he'll be fine back there as long as he can stay on the field and stay healthy. There's no reason to think he can't be a Pro Bowl. He led the team with 15 pass breakups last year, had three picks, which is tied with I believe, Marcus Gilchrist. I think he takes another step as long as he stays on the field and stays healthy, I I believe. They got him in the first round. He's a first-round talent. I think he's a Pro Bowl talent. Just got to stay on the field.
2: I know that you have Carl Joseph on the 53-man roster. And again, your piece is about before OTA. So a lot of things could happen between now and, and the beginning of the season. But Carl Joseph, he's a guy that's kind of a mystery to me. The Raiders didn't pick up his fifth-year option, which doesn't mean anything. It just means he's in a contract year. What do you ultimately think will happen with Carl Joseph?
0: Okay, I, I think what would happen with him is they're going to continue to play him in the box because that's where they've had him last year. Uh, I believe uh, Jonathan Abram is going to also play in a position, so that would we'll put Carl Joseph in a backup role, which would kind of elevate Eric Harris. Unless you're promoting a guy, I, I have issues with Curtis Riley's tackling ability, but he can cover deep. I picked up four passes with the Giants last year. Not a complete safety though, but you're going to use him in the D coverage fine. Carl Joseph to me is, a, is as you say, he's kind of a mystery. I would hope that they use him more deep. You know, kind of as a free safety look. Mm-hmm. I know Grunzer likes his two high safeties, but. Carl Joseph needs to be off the ball, away from like ten yards back from the line of scrimmage. Let him lead the quarterback. I think he can pick up some picks and knock out some passes. But I don't know if they're going to use him that way. They haven't shown that they're interested in doing that. I, I think I wouldn't rule out a trade. and a lot of people have talked about it. Uh, they shot him last year. Jake Glaser reported that before the trade deadline, they were you know had they had him on the block. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved this summer and they pick up another veteran. But if he's on the roster, I think he's he's playing in the box. But I would want to see him. Further away from the line of scrimmage and be able to, again, lead the quarterback and kind of uh, freelance back there and pick up
2: some passes. I had a guy call me uh, on the on the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line and said hey what I one of my takes is that I want the defense to give us a chance. That was his thing. He's like I want the defense to give us a chance. It doesn't always have to be Derek Carr coming back at the end of the game to try to win a game at the end. Do you feel like with everything we just talked about on the defensive side of the ball do you expect this Raiders team to have moments. Obviously there's going to be moments where they just don't look good but do they have their chance to be that that team that, that keeps the, the offense in games where, like he said, the defense gives them an opportunity?
0: I mean, we've talked about this for almost years. Can the Raiders still a middle-of-the-pack defense yeah. to kind of help out their offense? And and I'm looking. And if you look at their track record, they haven't been better than 20th in the league in points allowed since 2006. Mm. They don't have a good history of playing great defense, especially when it comes to keeping teams out of the end zone. But I think they have a chance of being a middle-of-the-pack team, but it, it will require their young guys to play well early. Guys like Cleveland Farrell have to exceed my expectation of six sacks. Moehurst has to take another step. Maybe Max Crosby has to contribute. The veterans at the linebacker position have to play well, stay healthy, and stay on the field. Garrett Conley, we just talked about, has to take another step and be a Pro Bowl type player. Carl Joseph has to contribute. Lamarcus Joyner has to be a good slot defender. Uh, we have to see something from Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen. Those guys have to play a big part if the Raiders want to be even at in the middle of the pack. Now we're not even talking top ten; we're talking middle of the pack because, as we know, their pass rush is suspect. And if they don't have a good pass rush, they better be able to cover on the back end. And if they can't do that, they're gonna they're gonna run into some issues. We know they have a young roster, so there will be some issues that you just talked about. But again, if those players can jump in right away and contribute, middle of the pack, 15, 16, 17, it's fine. It can give. Derek Carr breather, and as I said, the pass rush gets to the quarterback, He close out games. That's good for the Raiders, and Add a little more wind to the wind collar.
2: All right, so that was part one of my interview right there with Mo Moten talking all things Raiders. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, I know I did. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I'm telling you, the conversation ended up going a lot longer, and you'll hear him say that later in part two of the interview. You'll hear him say that that's probably the longest interview that he's ever had, but it was a really good one. So uh, very excited about it. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Like I said, if you are, hit him up on Twitter. You can hit him up right now while you're listening, at Mo Moten, again, on Twitter, at M-O-E, M-O-T-O-N. And one more time, I can't tell you enough. To get this show every single day, you can subscribe to Locked On Raiders on the new Himalaya podcast app. In a very expanding podcast world, you know you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every single day. Again, it's real simple. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Raiders. Segment number two, part two of my interview with Mo Moten's coming up next right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders. Your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. All right, jumping back into it, Raider Nation, locked on Raiders podcast on this Tuesday, May twenty first, two thousand and nineteen. Hopefully, you're enjoying the episode so far. I know I had a good time doing it, putting it together, interviewing Mo Moten, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. Part two of my interview with Mo Moten, talking all things Raiders. I promise, man, your piece is really good. Again, talking about the fifty three man depth chart for twenty nineteen before OTAs. I'm not going to go through every single position, but we went real deep on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Derek Carr and Landry Jones, those the two quarterbacks that you have and that's it and uh, a lot of teams a lot of teams only carry two quarterbacks but why were you so comfortable in picking only two quarterbacks to make the 53-man roster for the Raiders
0: simply because Derek Carr even though he gets banged up he, he doesn't miss a lot of games so he first of all I expect Derek Carr to play all the games if not you know all the games if not most of them uh the other the other pick was Landry Jones he has backup duty spot duty experience with the Steelers uh, ben Roethlisberger, he, he'll he miss a game or two here and there. And Landry Jones has to step in and start play. I think his familiarity with Antonio Brown bodes well for him. They have some type of, even though he, he is a backup and Brown is a, is a first unit guy, I think those two being together in Pittsburgh helps his cause to secure that uh, primary backup position. And if you know Gruden, Gruden doesn't have any problem bringing a veteran quarterback in the middle of the season to play. So if either those two guys cannot play or go down with an injury, then you know Green will pick up a guy at off off scrap heap, and he'll be starting. So I think <laughs> Green will be comfortable. With uh, just two quarterbacks on the roster, as he was last year with two,
2: and now I'm not trying to run Derek Carr out of town. I know Derek Carr is a hot subject for any Raider fan at all. They're always, you know, is he going to make it? Is he going to be good enough? Is he going to make it to Vegas? But really, I mean, this is his second year in John Gruden's offense. He hasn't had that since 2016, and we all know he put up great numbers in 2016. He was an MVP candidate until you know there was until he went down with the, the injury on the leg. Uh, he has weapons around him again, familiar with the offense now. What are your expectations for Carr in 2016? How comfortable do you think that we'll see him behind center, and do you think he'll have one of those big years like he did in 2016?
0: Second year in Gruden's offense, we don't know what happened the last time. He had a second year in offense with Bill Musgrave. He played pretty well, uh, rounded up 28 touchdown passes, 6 picks, in and an MVP worthy year, a lot of people talked about. I think his second year in Gruden's system, he'll have another step forward. I expect over 4,000 yards because a lot of quarterbacks nowadays can throw up over 4K, so that shouldn't be hard. Especially with Antonio Brown, I expect him to throw close to 30 touchdowns, if not 30, this year. So he he won't have. I mean, his high 32 was in 2015. You got Antonio Brown, you got Terrell Williams, you got Hunter Renfro, who's my sleeper to be a big, big contributor this year. I think 30 touchdowns is not out of the round for Derek Carr. He usually keeps his interception rate low, never throwing more than 13. Pretty careful, uh, careful thrower, but I think he can take more chances downfield with Brown and Terrell Williams. That's why I say 30. 31, 32 touchdown passes is not far fetched for him. Over 4,000 yards, I would say 4,200 is good. But I say he's going to take a step up. The problem with Derek Carr is, is if the Raiders don't win a lot of games and Derek Carr has a decent year, we'll have the same conversation we had this year: is Is he going to be replaced in the draft, or are they going to replace, a, or are they going to use one of their first round picks on the quarterback? Because the quarterback class coming out next year is going to be pretty good. Now, I would hope that Gruden can look at Derek Carr's performance and isolate and say, look. He had a great year. He took a step up in the second year. Let's keep let's roll with Derek Carr, if he has that type of year. Now, if he doesn't, and you talked about this, you alluded to this, if he doesn't have a good year, I don't think he makes it to Vegas. If he goes out there and he throws a lot more picks and he doesn't show out with Antonio Brown, one of the top receivers in the game, in the huddle with him, he's going to have an issue with coming back uh, to the Raiders as they go to Vegas because you're going to expect more. Once you upgrade the talent, you've got to expect more from the quarterback. And I believe he I believe he'll meet the challenge. But again, if he doesn't, that'd be a problem
2: for him. A lot of times we look at the the win-loss record of Derek Carr, and it's very deceiving because, like you mentioned, he could put up some big numbers. But ultimately, 21 and 25 in his career, that's not winning football. I mean, it isn't. And regardless of whose fault it is, which I know it's not all his fault. It's just not. But he's the quarterback. He's the guy. He's the (laughs) high-priced guy. He's the guy that everyone's going to look at. If he does put up big monster numbers, but just say the Raiders can't finish games. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe they just can't finish games and they end up with a losing record, do you think, okay, John gives them that pass, or do you think that he says, you know what, we do have to make a change?
0: I would hope he, he keeps them because if you, let's say Carr throws 4,100 yards, and 20, 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, right? But the Raiders go 6 and 10. Right. Let's just throw that number out there. And you're looking at a top, I don't know, a top 10 pick. I would say, look, continue to, to build your defense because mm-hmm. more than likely if a Raiders team goes 6 and 10, but Carr has a great year, it was your defense that, that hurt you throughout the year. More, more than likely. Right. So what you do is you invest those two picks in, in defensive players. and great agency. see you go out to defensive players to build up your defense, get a top-ten defense to go with your quarterback who's blooming, and you'll have a winning season in 2020. But, again, it's, it's, it's a matter of what he does and what Gruden is looking for. Because I know a lot of people say, well, Carr isn't Gruden's guy. And my, my thing is, if you're Gruden and you know Carr has been the quarterback and they paid him all that money before you even got there, if you're taking that job, you should expect to develop Derek Carr. And they call Gruden this quarterback guru. Well, you have Carr who's a decent talent. Develop right. him. That is your job. You're supposed to be this offensive guy. You got a talent there, has been the three pro, pro bowls, had a great year before he broke his leg. If he's playing well, continue to develop your quarterback and move on with that and just again build up your defense.
2: Yeah, you're making too much sense right there. I like it. You're making a lot a lot of sense right there. And, and you mentioned Hunter Renfro, and I'm glad you did, because he's a guy I was fired up about. The guy just does what he's supposed to do, which is catch balls. He does not drop the ball, he doesn't put it on the ground. That's something that Carr has been plagued with his whole career is guys putting the ball on the ground. What do you think Hunter Renfro, his addition to the team, obviously he's not going to be the first guy trotted out on the field, but he, he could have a sneaky, like you said earlier, a sneaky good season. What, what do you think his role will be in this offense going, uh, going forward in his rookie year?
0: Well, he kind of talked about it. He, he did say that, and I think Gruden said this too, he's not going to just be a flat receiver. Gruden likes his wide receivers to move around. I heard this from Amari Cooper last year. Amari Cooper said that Gruden likes his guys to be able to play outside, the, the X receiver, the Z receiver. you got to be able to play in the slot. So Hunter Rappel, even though he's pitted as a slot receiver, he's going to be on the outside, and I think he can take advantage of a bigger, slower cornerback if he's out in the perimeter. But when he's in the slot, I think he's going to be a chain mover. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to get you that first down on third and eight, third and six. And uh, Mayock mentioned this: A quarterback's best friend, especially when there's pressure, and we know Derek Carr got sacked 51 times. I know we're expecting improvements from the offensive line with Trent Brown on the right, right tackle, Colt Miller on the left. But if Derek Carr is under direct, he's going to need a quick option to throw to. And last year, that seemed to be Jalen Richard. This year, he could share that with uh, Hunter Renfro. He could be a quick guy because he can get off the line of scrimmage pretty fast, get open, get a get a reception, get the first down. I think that's going to be useful for Carr again, especially if he's under duress on the upcoming season. If the Raiders' offensive line doesn't show improvement, which I do have my reservations about, because as many people know on Twitter, I'm not a big fan of Tom Cable. Right. So I'm worried. I'm worried about how to, how Trent Brown's going to look with the Raiders because as you as you saw with Nate Nate Sober, right, he mm-hmm. was a the Patriots left tackle, was great, was decent, solid with the Patriots. Then went to the Giants, didn't look the same. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Trent Brown, but you've got to remember that Dante Scarnecchia is one of the best offensive line coaches in, in the league. Mm-hmm. Tom Cable is at the bottom of the barrel. So you've got a you guy who's a, a solid talent, but he's going from a, a pretty good offensive line coach to a, a meh offensive, coach when it, offensive line coach when it comes to protecting their quarterback. Tom Cable does not have the best track record, when it comes to protecting his QB, and I think that's going to factor into it. But again, if you have a guy like Hunter Renfro you can get off the line of scrimmage and get open, I think Derek Clark can sneak some passes out to him and Rashard, and it, it kind of offset it a little bit. But again, Hunter Renfro, I, I feel like he's going to have over 400 receiving yards and about four touchdowns in his rookie year.
2: I'm glad you brought up Tom Cable because that's going to just lead me into my next question. Uh, I, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna skip another wide receiver. I'm gonna go straight to the O line because there was the Colletti assembly interview with Adam Lefko. I'm sure you probably saw that and heard everything yeah. from Ko. And you know, Tom Cable's been under a lot of fire with Raider fans, man, because of everything you said. He's just not that good of a, a offensive line coach anymore. I know at one time he was kind of considered a really good offensive line coach, but. I don't think he's that dude anymore. So how does this offensive line improve under Tom Cable with the pieces that they have? I mean, I don't see how it gets better.
0: I I don't see it either. And the problem with him being there is it's going to come down. People say, well, coaches coach and players play, right? So let's say Colton Miller doesn't play well. And I know he had an injury last year. I know he battled through a knee injury, which factored into the fact that he gave up when he did struggle in some places, when he was healthy. Let's say Miller doesn't improve as Raider Nation would like to have seen. I think part of the blame should go to Tom Cable. And I've looked at his record, and I, I pointed this out as soon as Drew hired him, that his, his, his pass protection hasn't ranked more than, I believe, 23rd in the league when it comes to sack rates. So if you're looking at improvement, the players are going to have to, I, be, I believe, play well despite the coach. And I hate to say it that way, right. because if they do play well, you want to give Cable some credit. But he just doesn't have the track record to say that it will happen at some point. So I do worry about the left guard position. I know people say Denzel Good has played well in spots. But the i are thinking about bringing, bringing in Richie Incognito, who I'm not on full tilt with. I, I don't know about bringing a guy like that into the locker room, into a young locker room. I don't see him as a, as a mentor leader type right, of guy. If right. they bring him in. It's just to upgrade the position because they don't trust Denzel Good. This is why I like Lester Cotton competing for that position. But I worry about left guard. I worry about Colton Miller's development under Cable. I worry about Trent Brown coming from a great offensive line coach to Cable. Gabe Jackson should be solid. Rodney Tustin has been a rock on that offensive line, so I don't worry about him. But uh, again, it's just it. I think Derek Carr is going to have moments where he's going to still be under duress because I don't trust. I just don't trust Tom Cable there. But you would hope that Colt Miller developed, got the athleticism to handle athletic pass rushers, you would hope that Rodney Hudson stays solid. You would hope that Gabe Jackson uh, gets back to where he was a couple of years ago when he was, a, he was a Pro Bowl type player, even though he didn't make the Pro Bowl. And you would hope that Trent Brown uh, transitions over and plays well. But again, all those guys have to play well. To me, in fight Of Tom Tom Cable.
2: Yes, yeah, that's what I'm kind of worried about as well. I just I just don't trust that guy as far as I could throw him, and we all know his track record. Uh, I'm not probably going to throw him very far. But um, <laughs> Richie Incognito, uh, uh, let me ask you about him. Uh, you you know you mentioned uh, about him being a veteran. He's not going to be a mentor. There's been so many people that have said, yeah, but you know you have all the character guys. You you have all the 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 young dudes that you know are are good dudes. You have them, and you don't really have to worry about Richie Incognito being that mentor, being that that leader on the team because you got enough of him all over the, the field. Do you buy that or do you still see him being as a problem if he's in that locker room?
0: I don't think he's gonna be a problem among among the offensive linemen because you got Rodney Hudson there, you got Gabe Jackson there and they, they you know they've been in Oakland for multiple years. So they'll hold that unit down. But when you got a guy like that who could be a loose cannon, I'm just a little hesitant to bring him into a young lot. If you had a veteran team, like you had a team like last year, I'll bet they weren't very good, but if you had a more of a veteran team Especially on the defensive side of the ball, I know he plays on the offensive line, but when you look at a whole locker room in totality, mm-hmm. you just don't want it. You don't want any bad vibes in a locker room like that when you're trying to build something. When you're trying to build a contender and you're trying to on your way up, I could see if they were a playoff team already and they had some success and they had a, a bunch of guys in there who already won with that team, then I could see, yeah, bring in Richie Incognito. It will not be that big of a deal, but. It's still a young team. You're going to have to depend on a lot of young players to contribute, and I just wouldn't want a, a loose cannon like that in the locker room in a starting position on the field.
2: Yeah, he makes me nervous. Please believe that. He definitely <laughs> makes me nervous because, I, I, I again, I just don't trust him. I don't know exactly you know what he's going to bring to the table. and I, Who knows? He might not get signed, and he might get suspended, and the Raiders decide to go in a different direction. But it looks like to me that he's going to end up getting signed at some point. Let me ask you about the tight end room. Uh, It's the only position I feel like offensively that did not improve throughout the offseason and throughout the draft. Uh, I know that they picked up Foster Moreau. I like that because he's, again, a leader. He's one of those guys that, you know, I guess you could depend on. He's accountable. But, again, he's a rookie. So uh, what are you thinking about that tight end room? Obviously, Jared Cook was their go-to guy last year. He's now with the Saints in free agency. Uh, Just what, what are your overall thoughts on the tight ends?
0: Yeah, that's the only position group that I felt like the Raiders should have done more at. I, I wrote an article that they should, uh, you know, kind of kick the tires on Kyle Rudolph, who's probably on the trade block in Minnesota because they don't they don't seem like they want to pay him. Obviously, you don't want to give up a, a, a high pick for him, but if you can give up a day three pick for Kyle Rudolph, I think you should explore that. But among the players that are on the roster right now, Darren Waller, uh, Gruden seems to like him, said he's going to have the opportunity of a lifetime to contribute. I think he can if, if they're targeting in the passing game. He's not going to be a complete tight end right away. He was a wide receiver at Georgia Tech, had about 971 yards in three seasons there. But uh, he's going to have to learn the position. He's going to have to learn the totality of the position, and that transition could factor into his production. I know he transitioned with the Ravens in 2016, but then he got suspended in 2017, uh, substance abuse uh, policy violations. Came back in 2018, raised, picked him off off the uh, practice squad of the Ravens, had a couple of flashes in the past catching game, uh, but, again, he's going to have to learn the position. He's going to probably be the lead guy there. I think Luke Wilson brings some experience, but I don't know how much they're going to invest in him as a as a, I wouldn't say a high investment, but he, he brings the veteran leadership there. He's he to be steady at the tight end position, but he's not a game-breaker. He's not a game-changer at that spot. Foster Moreau, I hate to use this uh, phrase. A lot of people say uh, the sneaky athletic type of guy. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. He's, he's been at LSU as mostly an inline blocker, but he's been trying to work on his athleticism, of course. In that offense, he didn't really get to show it. But I think if he does get to show it, he can contribute a little more than what most people think. I think he's a solid pick. But again, I think Darren Waller is the guy you want to look at as a lead contributor at tight end. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders brought in a veteran tight end at some point if Waller doesn't look as explosive as, explosive as they like during the offseason, especially during training camp. So I could see a veteran in there. I would still throw out. Hey, Kyle Rudolph is on the trade block. Mm-hmm. If you can give up a late round pick for him, I would do it. I would put the trigger on
2: that. I think a lot of Raider fans would be happy if they were able to make that move as well. I do feel like they need that veteran presence in the in the locker room and you know just in that room in general. So we'll see what they do there. Rudolph is a good idea. Now you have in your piece you have undrafted free agent Keelan Doss making the fifty three man roster. That's another guy I was kind of surprised he went undrafted. Uh, what kind of made you roll with him as a uh, you know or what do you expect uh, the Raiders to do as as far as rolling with him in twenty nineteen?
0: I think he can make the roster only because a lot of see a lot of people like Ryan Grant because the Raiders were going to sign Ryan Grant last year after the Ravens voided his contract because of a failed physical. He had an ankle injury, I believe. going to find the Raiders, but he took more money with the Colts one year, $5 million deal. A lot of people saying, well, the Raiders won him last year. They got him this year. That's pretty good. But he just didn't move the needle for me in Indianapolis. He had a chance to secure the number two spot. And that wide receiver for last year and he just didn't do it. His his role diminished as the year went on. Andrew Luck kind of went away from him and then kind of stole some snaps from him. Uh, as you know, Eric Ebron blew up at tight end. So he kind of faded in that passing offense. So if he couldn't secure the number two role in Indianapolis with a healthy Andrew Luck, I don't see how he's going to carve out a major role in, in Oakland when you got Antonio Brown and Terrell Williams leading the position. And again, I think Hunter McFleer is going to be a surprise there. I think Keelan went is guy, 6'2", 211, and he's a smart wide receiver. That's something to highlight. He's a smart wide receiver who plays different positions at the, you know, different roles and positions. And as I mentioned earlier, greeting lights guys who can play different roles at yeah. wide receiver. And I yep. think Keelan Dolph can come in and do that. He had monster productions last two years at UC Davis. I think he's a guy that people are gonna sleep on, but at the end of training camp, they're gonna say, Wow, this guy he can crack the roster. And if you remember Keon Hatcher last year, he had a strong ending to the preseason. If Keelan Dolph can do that, but start early and have a strong first game throughout mm-hmm. I think he makes the roster.
2: And I just got a couple more questions for you. One more position, running back position. I saved the best for last because I'm pretty fired up about that. Josh Jacobs, number 24 overall pick. A lot of people were up in arms. You don't get a running back that early. The hell with that. You know what I mean? I I thought, hey, this dude could be the guy. Uh, I was excited when I was able to talk to him in Nashville. Got a good head on his shoulders. I think he's going to be a real deal player for the the Raiders. So let's start with Josh Jacobs. Uh, There's been a lot of comparisons about Charlie Garner. That could be a a kind of a role that he plays in Gruden's offense. What do you see? How do you See Gruden using Josh Jacobs in in this offense.
0: I would I would hope that Josh Jacobs gets about twenty touches a game, and what I, what I mean by twenty touches, I emphasize touches, fifteen carries, and five catches. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna be he's gonna be your lead running back. He's gonna get some catches out of the backfield, and he, of course he's gonna be able to help in the pass block in case Derek Carr is uh, under some pressure in the pocket. But I see him as being the lead dog there. I know they resigned Doug Martin. But I mean, um, Doug Martin was solid, but is he, you know, is he the explosive game changer? And eh, not at this stage in his career. I believe his 16,000, 1600 uh, yard seasons are behind him at this stage. You roll with Josh Jacobs, you drafted him in the first round. I was one of those guys who said, hey, if you're going to draft a guy in the first round, he better be a great, he better be an upper echelon talent. And uh, a lot of people said, well, Josh Jacobs is a second round talent, but he's the best among the bunch. Now again, I, I would think if you draft him at twenty four, you're gonna you're gonna use him a lot. So again, right. twenty touches per game, uh, lead dog in the backfield. I say he comes close to thousand yards, but only two running backs two running backs, Tyrone Wheatley and Cadillac Williams have reached or eclipsed thousand yards under Gruden between his years in, in Oakland and Tampa Bay. So I don't see him getting a thousand because Gruden likes to spread the wealth and you got Jacobs, you got Martin, you got Jalen Richard there, you got Chris Warren who, who Gruden talked about in one of his press conferences. I don't have DeAndre Washington making the roster because he just hasn't produced enough. Right. I know he had a knee nice scope before last year, but he, he's just been non-existent. So I don't think he makes the roster, but his split, split carries between Jacobs or among Jacobs, Martin, Richard and Warren. It's a lot of mouths to see. And I think uh, Jacobs will be your lead guy, but he'll have about 850 to 900 rushing yards on the ground, maybe about 250 to 300 receiving yards.
2: So, do you look at Chris Warren III as maybe kind of that 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 bruising running back style? Maybe that guy who eats up a lot of yards down by the goal line. Uh, what kind of role do you expect Chris Warren to have?
0: Yeah, short yardage guy. I know he blew up to two seventy, but he's not a, I don't think he's at two seventy anymore. I, I don't know if it was him, but there was a there was a tweet rolling around about him talking about his weight level, about how the coaches wanted him, All where the right. coaches wanted him to be as far as weight level. But I think he's going to be your short uh, short depth short yardage short short yardage back. <laughs> Side there but uh yeah he's gonna rack up some touchdowns i could see him getting four touchdowns this year getting some short carries there but he's not going to rack up a lot of yards between between the 20s that's going to be jacobs and martin and maybe a handful of carries for char but i think chris warren makes the roster i think really like what he saw and warren last year during the preseason but he has to do it again this year to show he can he can crack at fifty three.
2: All right. Now I asked you about a whole lot of positions. I asked you about a whole lot of players. Is there anyone that I left out? Is there anyone that you you know you got your finger on the pulse of like this guy could be a real player and and I'm missing out on that? Is there anyone that you could think of?
0: Uh, Alec Engle. I think he can okay. win the fullback position. I know Keith Smith had a crucial drop last year in week two against Denver. A lot of people are low on Keith Smith right now. I think Alec. Alec Ingold uh, can come in win that position. I'm not saying he's gonna he's gonna run for 500 rushing right. yards and get 50 catches, but I think Gruden is really enthusiastic about the fullback position. If you remember his introductory press conference, one of his first questions: Do we have a fullback? I tweeted: Yes, you got Jemai Olawale, Why they're trading him? But um, <laughs> right. So Jemai goes to goes to Dallas and he picks up Keith Smith. So I think Gruden really does pay attention to the fullback spot. I think he's gonna really like Alec Ingold. I think he's gonna make the roster and, and be uh be another short uh damage, uh back there in the backfield and also catch some passes. I know I mentioned John Richie is a guy who was a good pass catching fullback for Gruden. I think Alex Ingo can be something like that. A poor man's John Ritchie, and uh he can make an impact.
2: That's Maurice Moton right there from Bleacher Report and NFL Spin Zone on FanSided. You can catch him on Twitter at mo moton. That's m o e m o t o n. And uh, I spent so much of your time. Is there anything that you want to promote? Do you have any pieces coming out that somebody needs to look out for besides the one that we've been talking about?
0: Uh, tomorrow I got a piece coming out. Most important training camp battle for each NFL team. Of course, with the Reds, I highlighted the defensive end position. I talked, as we talked about, today. I talked about Arden Key talked about Max Grosby, talked about Quentin Bell, talked about Vincent uh, Maioa. To see who's going to win that position, uh, I'll leave it to the piece for people to see who I think is going to win the spot. But I think that's the position that you want to look at uh, coming up. I, I have another article coming out on Friday or Saturday, I believe. Oh, I, I'll say Saturday. Uh, most Dangerous New Weapon, I'll talk about Antonio Brown and what he can do for this office to elevate that group and to help Derek Park.
2: That's awesome. That is awesome stuff. I'll definitely be checking it out, and uh, I encourage everyone else to go check it out. Uh, your pieces are always really good, and uh, I appreciate all your extra time and your expertise. It's been a lot of fun, my man, and I uh, appreciate you coming on with me.
0: I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully the Warriors win tonight, make me look good, so NBA guys can uh, put me on their show, some more NBA, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, again, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been fun. Probably my longest interview, but uh, again, I, I do this for a living. I, I cover readers every day, uh, religiously, so no
2: big deal. And it was fun. Yeah, man. Hey, that's what I've been known to do is keep people on the phone way too long. But it's all, <laughs> it's all a lot of fun. And I'll tell you right now, a little side note. If you ever want to come on ESPN Central Texas and talk to NBA, I got you all day, every day. We can talk about it. No worries. So, uh, yeah,
0: I got you. Hey, man, we could do this all day. I, I don't mind. I can like, again, <laughs> NBA, NFL, ratings, I can talk it all day along with you. So I'm, I'm there with you, brother.
2: Okay, well, hey, hey, make sure you have your phone handy when I send you that text and ask you to jump on the show because I'll be sending it to you, my man. I got you, man. Appreciate it. Alright, so there it was. Let me know your feedback. Let Mo know your feedback. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it and usually when I'm pretty fired up and excited about an interview that I've done, usually it means it's a really good interview. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Again, like I said, you can let me know 707-654-4693 That's the Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line. Also, you can hit my man up on Twitter at Mo, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N or you can hit me up on Twitter at your boy Q254 So coming up in segment number three got your calls, your thoughts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. That's coming up next right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders. Your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Here we are, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. Hopefully you enjoyed segment number one and segment number two. I was really, really pumped up about it, so hopefully you are as well, and I hear from you about it. 707-654-4693. Many, many thanks again to my man Mo Moten, and you can hit him up on Twitter, at Mo Moten. So right now, let's get into some calls off the Locked On Raider podcast, off that voicemail line. Let's start things off, as promised. Mario in Tucson, calling in for a few reasons, including the NFL Draft, the Coleccio Assembly interview, and... Barrett Robbins. Here's Mario in Tucson.
3: you. Mario in Tucson, man. How's things been going? Well, it's just been a while since I called, but, you know, it is what it is. People get busy. Whatever. So, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was the Kalechio uh, thing uh, You know, I understand that KO probably didn't trust Gruden or players on that team don't trust Gruden because of some of the things that he's done or what's happened. But to be honest, he sounded like a guy that had an axe to grind, as with anybody that's gotten let go from a team. So maybe some of the feelings were still wrong. I don't know. But I know one thing, and I'll say it here. I think that, you know, why are we worrying about the coach so much? Yeah, John Gruden's a great, you know, a good coach or whatever. But the last time I checked, didn't nobody turn on the TV to watch John Gruden play anything or to watch him coach. So that's it for that. Just let John Gruden do what he's going to do. Coaches lie, people lie. Care. Next thing, um, I wanted to, to talk about, you know, the draft a little bit, and I'll make it short. As far as the players that we got in the draft, I'm happy with every one of them because they filled needs. And also, in free agency, we also filled some needs as well. And what is the old saying? Iron sharpens iron. There's going to be so much competition out there to try to be a starter or just to play. It's going to make that team so much better. They're going to improve just by that fact alone. And I'll get all grudens back a little bit. If the way that he's building this team works, then, you know, he's the right guy. And he's got, you know, 10 years to prove it. So I guess that's really a mute point there. And lastly, someone decided that they wanted to bring up the guy that ruined our chance to win a Super Bowl other than John Gruden on our playbook, Barrett Robbins. Are you kidding me? That guy, oh my God, I can't freaking believe it. He single-handedly, besides through knowing our playbook, ruined our chance at winning that Super Bowl. We have, so, in the grand scheme of things, Barrett Robbins is probably going to be number one to me. Watching that Super Bowl hurt. Other than that, Q, greater nation, peace out.
2: Yeah, man, that's tough, man. Barrett Robbins is one of those names that every Raider fan cringes of because anytime they hear that name, they already know. They know exactly what time it is and know exactly how that Super Bowl went down. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that, Mario. Definitely do. Definitely appreciate that call. But Mario wasn't done. He actually had to call back one more time to because he forgot. He forgot to shout out Selena and the OC for all the hard work she's been putting in, trying to organize that last game for us, and he uh, shared his thoughts on it. So here's Mario in Tucson the second time.
3: Hey, Q. Mario in Tucson again. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, when I was listening to the podcast that, uh, you know, hearing about what Selena was trying to do, you know, get everybody together by starting that, you know, the email deal. So I just wanted to give her some props on that um, because to be honest, if people want to go to these games, you know, you want to hang out together. You want to mix it up with your, with your your Raider family. And me, myself, I think I'm going to try to go to that last game. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to see if I can figure it out. Because I'd like to not only go to the last game there, but I'd like to see, you know, all my Raider brothers and sisters out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, there's a lot of Raider fans here in the Tucson area and probably all over the country, all over the world. But... I'd like to go see some folks down there in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? See if I can get down there and, and, and take in a game and, and have a good time with everybody. But I just wanted to, you know, call back and give up some props to her for, you know, just coming up with that idea. Kind of being the uh, the president of the email fan club, whatever the heck you want to call it. But. I just thought that I
2: was a real good season trying to do it. I want to be part of it. Later, Q. Definitely. I can't shout out Selena enough because she really has put in the extra work that she doesn't have to do and nobody has to do. But I just appreciate the fact that she wants to get stuff together and want to get us rolling like that. So, Selena, thank you so much again. I, I can't thank you enough, but I do thank you again. Now, next call. Very detailed call coming up right here from our man Vader Raider in the 303. He's calling in for multiple reasons, all things podcast-related, things he's been hearing on the show, including Coleccio Semele. players that are dirty that should fit in with the Raiders do because of their history, guys like Richie Incognito, guys like Vontez Burfitt, guys that, well, you know, the Raiders have a, a, a history of, of bringing in uh, misfits and, and, and making them work, those kind of guys. Yeah, he's talking about that. Also, he shouts out most known unknown for his Witch Hunt comments he made on the podcast after A-Train's call on uh, on Derek Carr. So very interesting call, very passionate call from Vader Raider, and this is what the podcast is for. So here he is, Vader Raider in the 303. What's up, Q?
4: What's up, Raider Nation? It's Vader Raider in the 303. Yeah, so a couple of interesting uh, things happening on the podcast this past week. Uh, You know, that that interview with uh, Colletti O'Kumali was... You know, it was a great interview. I thought. I mean, it was eye opening. It was and it was eye opening, but it was also, I thought, and I don't know how any of you felt. I thought it was somebody who was bitter about where things ended up. You know, I kind of got that impression that Kolatchi wasn't exactly happy about where he ended up, as far as you know, you know, being traded. Um. Uh. I got a direct this call, unfortunately at my guy, most unknown, unknown. Um, Yeah, buddy, you know, I got to tell you, most known, I didn't appreciate the whole witch hunt thing, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I'm not trying to witch hunt Derek Carr, okay, my dude. I got this guy's jersey hanging in my closet, okay? I have loved Derek Carr since he started, okay? But I'm going to say this, I'm going to put this out there, and it seems like we keep coming back to this. Okay, the one reason why I got on this podcast early on last year in September was because Q was being realistic and he brought the truth. Q didn't mess around with the hoopla about being a Raider fan, about every dirty player in the, you know, every, you know, every player who's a misfit or a miscreant deserves to be a Raider. First of all, y'all need to squash that, okay, because I'm, I'm a little sick of that. Okay, this is the two, this is 2019. I get it. The Raiders have had in their history, you know, misfits and people that didn't fit in right and they fit in just right with us. That worked in 1970 and 1977. It doesn't work today in 2019. So we need to move on from that narrative. And that's the most known unknown. The witch hunt. If I'm a, if I'm a witch hunter, like you apparent, cause you said, if you're a, if you're a witch hunter, you're going to wind up hunting for witches and usually find them. I don't know what that meant, but I'm not trying to do that, okay? So there's that. And most known, understand this. Your coach, my coach, our coach, is the one that's going to pull the trigger on that. Because just like the four horsemen have told you repeatedly over and over, okay, over and over they've told you, the record stands for itself, 21 and 25. That is a losing record, my dude, and I don't care about the excuses, okay? I don't care. Shout out to A-Train for speaking his mind. A-Train, I want to let you know, you know what? (laughs) Welcome to the Four Horsemen because I just got to give you a heads up, my dude. They don't really like it when you kind of, you know, reveal and pull back the veil on Derek Carr, okay? Back to most known unknown. I love you, bro, because you're Raider Nation. I love all my Raider Nation family. But I did not appreciate the witch hunt thing, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to find ways to bring this team down. Matter of fact, with the draft we had, I'm trying to find ways to get ready to get this team going. I think we all are. We're all excited about this year. I'm excited to see what Derek can do with this. I don't know, most known unknown. No. I, I think, I think you just think that that's who I am. So every time you hear me talk about it, you just like, you know, and, and listen, most known unknown, I love you, man. You hold it down for us, like I said in Philly, and I love you for that, all right? This is coming from a place of love. But, man, you know, the whole thing getting cranky about the Four Horsemen thing, I get it. I'm a big wrestling fan, too, and I understand. But the 21 and 25 record speaks for itself. Sorry, Raider Nation. It speaks for itself. This guy's got to figure it out. With these weapons, he can't fail. Because most known unknown and the rest of Raider Nation, I got this for you. Your coach is going to pull the trigger on it.
3: And that's just solid facts.
4: That's just solid facts right there. John Gruden will pull the trigger. I'm sorry, but he will. He pulled the trigger on Mack. He pulled the trigger on Amari Cooper. He pulled the trigger on Kelechi Osemele. He will pull the trigger on Derek Carr without even flinching. And it doesn't matter how much you guys love him, how much you think he should be the Raiders quarterback of the future. It doesn't matter. If John Gruden doesn't want him, he's not going to be here. That's facts. Vader Raider.
2: There is definitely one thing I think every single person can agree on with what Vader Raider just said about John Gruden pulling the trigger on getting rid of someone. He definitely will pull the trigger. He'll do that. If he's not getting what he wants, if he's not getting what he thinks he should be getting, he will definitely pull someone's card and get him out of there. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm not saying he's not going to get what he wants from Derek Carr, but Vader Raider is absolutely right. If John Gruden feels like you ain't living up to what you're supposed to be doing, He will pull that trigger. And again, not saying that that's going to happen, but I'm just saying that that is true. So Vader Raider in the 303 with a very detailed call right there. And hey, that's how it is sometimes on the podcast. But uh, I love the fact that he kept telling Most Known Unknown that, hey, I love you, brother. I'm just not a big fan of the witch hunt comments. And I get it. It's all good like that, man. Sometimes we just have a different opinion. And again, that's what the podcast is made for. But at the end of the day, it's all Raiders. It's all love. We're all one big family. And Sometimes family fights. So, anyway, let's move on. Next call, VA Raider in Virginia. He's calling in to talk about the knowledge of the Raider Nation, something I've been saying on the show lately. He also brings up Raider tattoos and who got what. Here's VA Raider in Virginia.
1: Hey Q, Raider Nation. It's your boy VA Raider calling out of Virginia. I just want to call in, man, kind of piggyback off what you've been saying past, past couple shows, man, about, about how knowledgeable Raider Nation is, man, because... I tell you, it's awesome hearing hearing all your guys call in and 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 just just how smart and knowledgeable everybody is about the game and, and what they think, man. Because I live out here near you know DC DMV DC area, anyways, and uh, there are a lot of a lot of Washington Redskins fans around here, man. I tell you, I talk a lot of football on the job site, man. They 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 they're clueless. They are some clueless ass fans, man, and uh. It's just it's just funny when I talk football with people around here, man, and they ain't got much much knowledge of the actual game and everyone almost everyone that calls in here has got, got great knowledge and I just appreciate it, Rare Nation I appreciate the, you doing the podcast cue. You do such a great job, man. You're killing it. I looked I, I searched forever find a good podcast and finally I believe it was right around January this year, I think is when I started started listening, end of last year maybe. And uh it was just awesome man, finally find a good podcast and you do it right, man. So keep up the good work. And, uh, I know it's kind of dead time right now. And, uh, I always got to thinking, I, I got, I think I got one of the baddest Raiders tattoos in the, in the, in the world on my arm. And, uh, I was just curious to see how much other Raider Nation out there across the country's got Raider tattoos that may listen to the podcast. And, you know, maybe since it's a dead time, we could somehow, some way maybe have a little competition or, or contest something like that where everyone on the podcast can, can vote if we can upload a picture or a tap somewhere or something like that if there's enough of us anyway. So what you think, Raider Nation? Let's see what we can do.
5: VA Raider, out.
2: That's what's up, my man. I'm really intrigued by your Raider tat. I I mean, especially since you said it's like one of the best out there. Tweet it at me, my man. At your boy Q254 if you're on Twitter. At your boy Q254. I got one on my back that I got many, many moons ago, but I'm definitely intrigued by yours, so definitely tweet it at me if you uh, have Twitter. At your boy Q254. Now... Last call of the day comes from my man, Victor in Cali. He's calling in to talk hot takes, something he brought up before, but wanted to rehash after hearing Raider Blind Rage. And he has a really good one about teams that have relocated, and he has a really good one for the Raider Nation. So here he is. Plus, oh, by the way, he brings up Ronald Olive from Last Chance U. Here he is, Victor in Cali.
5: Hey, Q, Victor from Cali. Had a few things I wanted to go over. Uh, first, shout out to Raider Blind Rage. I love his hot take uh Raiders will go to the playoffs in twenty twenty. I totally agree with him. Um, I sort of mentioned this before way back. Um, some of the new booties never heard it, but I'm gonna bring this this up again uh and give you my new hot take. Uh the Ravens in nineteen ninety six uh started after the Browns basically moved to Baltimore in five years in two thousand one they go to the Super Bowl. The Titans in 1998 moved to Nashville 1999, go to the Super Bowl. The Rams in 1995 moved to St. Louis in 1999, they go to the Super Bowl. In 2016, Rams moved back to L.A. Two years later, they go to the Super Bowl. The Raiders in 1982 moved to L.A. Next year, they go to the Super Bowl, beat the Redskins. So here's my hot take. In 2020, Raiders move to Las Vegas. In 2021, they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's it. That's uh, a little uh, um, statement how history repeats itself. It seems like every time a team moves to a new city, within two, three, maybe five years, they all go to the Super Bowl, oftentimes within one year. Uh, moving on, I don't know if Raider Nation, any of you have watched Last Chance You. I I went back and watched it after learning about Ronald Ollie being signed as an unrestricted pre agent. I gotta tell you, I love that kid. I am pulling for him. If you get a chance, watch it. Um, this is a guy. His his father killed his mother when he was five and killed himself. Had a hard life. Great story. How he got here. And you really get to know the kid. Really a good good kid. He's the comic relief but works hard, and he's a beast. So I am pulling for Ronald Ollie. Love that guy. Uh, and finally, Q, I know you're trying to get Lincoln Kennedy on. I would love that. It's one of my favorite Raiders of all time. One of the most cerebral guys that breaks down the games. I love listening to him, and I would love to hear him. Thanks, Q. That's all I got. Peace out, Raider Nation.
2: And you're absolutely right, my man. History does repeat itself. I hope you're right. I would love to see them getting into the Super Bowl in a couple seasons. That would be awesome. Obviously, that's what John Gruden, Mike Mayock, and all the Raider players and all Raider Nation would love to see as well. So maybe you'll be right about that. I mean, you're right. When they relocated back to Oakland, it was a few years later after John Gruden got there. They uh, you know, they were in the Super Bowl. Wasn't with John Gruden, and we all know that they didn't win it, but it wasn't that long after they got to got back to Oakland. So who knows, man? Maybe you're Maybe the uh, theory there is right, and and we see the Raiders playing a Super Bowl, representing Las Vegas. Either way, they'll be representing the silver and black, so good stuff right there. Uh, This has been a a very fun episode. I I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Many, many, many thanks to my man Mo Moten for everything that he did, his long interview that he uh, allowed me to have in segment number one and segment number two. And uh, again, man, I've said it before, people don't have to give me that much time, but it just, when you have a nice little vibe going, you got a good little conversation going, sometimes it ends up being a little bit longer than you expect it to be. So I appreciate him riding with me and and not uh, tripping on the time and anything like that. He's a busy man and, and he was he gave me all his time in the world. So thought that that was really cool. Appreciate everyone who reached out on the Lockdown On Raider podcast voicemail line, Mario in Tucson, Vader Raider in 303, VA Raider in Virginia, Victor in Cali. Appreciate all your calls. And I got more calls the way please believe that not on this episode but on ones down the road so gonna have a a really good week i feel it i think that today's episode has been a lot of fun tomorrow we can look forward to uh, some stuff from from OTAs, from the first day of OTAs. Coaches and players will be talking after their their practice. So, you know, have some thoughts on that. And, and who knows what else is going to be on the podcast, but I think it'll be really, really good. So I appreciate everyone who's a part of it. Thank you for listening. As always, remember you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, if you want to get real fancy, you can tell your smart device to play Podcasts, Locked On Raiders. And as always, until next time, Raider Nation, just win, baby.